Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Karlsson, Yes, welcome everybody back for part two of this mega episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast where we've been talking about every single team in the NHL and finding some fantasy nuggets to help you be successful. I am once again your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me to continue through the final, I think, what do we have, 20 teams to go? It's Brian Com. Brian, I want to go right to the New Jersey Devils, who are a very good team. So how are you? Are you doing as well as the Devils are doing? How, If you wanted to use that as a benchmark, how are you feeling? halfway through this episode i'm feeling great i'm feeling like a new jersey devil let's keep going okay well yeah i guess the you know there's so much positive there but we've already sort of drooled about all of these players over the past couple of weeks so let's just look at thomas tatar who was a huge bust because we drooled about him too much last week. He was on this amazing hot streak. We told people, go grab this guy. Like, you definitely want him, even though Devils only play three times next week and a couple times on busy days. We were like, doesn't matter. Get this guy. Anyway, he stunk. No points in those games. Now the Devils actually have a decent schedule next week. They play four times. Edge was asking, are we still telling people to hold? Like, I, I guess it's like, I don't know if anyone's going to add him if they didn't. La- like, after everything we said last week, if you didn't add him, I'm sure you're not rushing to add him now. But if you had added him, are you holding or is it time to move on to the next shiny object because he's fallen off? I'm holding on to Tomas Tatar. I'm not going to give on give up on him so soon. It took me a long time to believe in him again. And I, I'm not going to, even though it would be easy to let go right away. I look at what he did last week and I'm thinking, yeah, I think Tatar's still okay. He's on the ice for four goals last week. No points on them, which is honestly not a big deal to me. If he participates in two of those, it's two points. We're not really having this conversation. Um, Maybe the one concern, though, and the thing you should be watching if you do have Tatar on your roster, watch his ice time. He had 16 minutes three games ago, 14 and a half minutes two games ago, and 13 minutes and 20 seconds in the most recent game for the Devils. So if those time on ice, if those minutes keep dipping or stay low, then I think you can move on. Otherwise, I'll give him another week because he's still playing with Nico Hischier which we said basically was the reason for his success. And if he can hold that spot, he could be a season-long hold. And I'm sticking to that until I see uh, a longer stretch of futility from him. All right. So you've got one more week, Tomas Tatar. And otherwise, you're back to what I was thinking about you like at the start of the season, which is very low. All right. Let's go to the Seattle Kraken now. Philip Grubauer off the IR. He hasn't played yet. I don't like that. I think that Yahoo or these like fancy platforms should it should be like only when the player like plays their first game should they come off IR because that's annoying. Now I had to like figure things out just to like make room for him when he wasn't even playing. Annoying. But anyway, what I did is I dropped him because Martin Jones has been so so good. He had another strong outing on Saturday, stopping twenty seven of twenty nine in the three two win over LA. 
we, we okay so this is what we were talking about at the start of the show this uh, infamous conversation or one-sided conversation i guess where you were wondering if it's time to just drop the crack in tandem i guess my question is like is it a tandem or is this like a skinner campbell situation where maybe like grubauer is the backup now because martin jones has been so good like why should like probably what's going to happen here's my prediction grubauer is going to get a game soon pro- maybe even the next game and i think uh he will either play really well in which case we should be nervous as martin jones managers or he'll stink in which case you could breathe a sigh of relief as a martin jones manager being like okay i think i've got the starter here because group hour just continues to stink so if i had martin jones i would still hold on and see what happens with that next group hour game uh, but i don't see a reason to hold group hour because there's no way he's like taking over as a volume guy now considering how well jones has done right I tend to agree with you. I, I had Grubauer stashed in IR and I had Jones. And when I saw that Jones stopped 27 of 29 against LA for the win on Saturday night, that was all I needed to see to drop Grubauer. Because look, Jones could turn into a pumpkin again at any moment. 947 save percentage over eight games. This is the longest. Remember last year, Elon, when Jones strung like three games together and I went back over the previous five years to find out if he'd ever done that and I think the answer was like yes but it was like three years earlier this is the best Martin Jones has really ever played since his rookie season and while I might not believe in it he's shown enough for a team like the Kraken have won uh, six of eight and one regulation loss since he's been their full-on starter this is a team that's struggled only, well, maybe not only, but largely because of their starters, Grubauer's inability to make a save for so freaking long that I don't think, even if he plays well, that they're going to look away from Martin Jones. And yeah, if Grubauer, I dropped Grubauer thinking, okay, he's going to come in, he might do okay, or he might let in the first shot, which he's done so many times, and then they're just going to keep going back to Jones. Seattle doesn't have time to waste here, so I think they keep going with Martin Jones so long as he's given them results, and I think he starts two out of every three, even though Grubauer is the highly paid first stringer on the cap sheet, of course. Right, of course. Yeah. I mean, obviously it depends on like their performance in each game. Like obviously as soon as like Jones struggles, then like Grubauer gets a shot, but that makes whatever. For now, Grubauer, I think we're in agreement, not interesting because like at the very least, Martin Jones for now has this job. And then if things change, whatever, grab someone out of free agency or not, if they just turn into a tandem. Uh, Underpants Gnomes wanted us to talk about Beneers, who he wrote still pointless, not including tonight's game. So that was yesterday. And then I believe Beneers did actually end up getting a point in that game versus LA. So yeah, better than pointless. Instead, I'm seeing two points in his last seven games. So still been a pretty cold stretch for Matty Beniers. We had high hopes on going into the year. Uh, next week, uh, you know, Seattle has a bad schedule once again. Like they only play on Wednesday, Friday, and then I think Saturday. So probably you're not even getting Beniers into your lineup on Wednesday, Friday, because those are both like super busy days. Time to stream him out. That's Underpants Gnome's question. And I think my answer is probably, unless it's like a really deep league, right? I think, yeah, or a keeper of any kind, like a deep, a deep enough keeper or definitely like don't drop Beniers in a dynasty. But yeah, that top line doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot in Seattle and they could turn it around. But I had an opportunity to trade for Beniers this week, my Kalen Addison for Beniers. Uh, I looked at Beniers hoping to see something I liked. I couldn't find anything I liked. So I rejected the trade and have also since dropped Kalen Addison. So I gave up a free Beniers, which means I feel uh, like you should too like if you st- like Jaden mm. Schwartz is a free agent I think in most leagues by now Maddie Beniers should be too even though his upside is higher until I see something more happening I-, I I can't really be committed to the guy if I'm in a situation where I can't afford to wait another two or three weeks to see what happens 
Yeah, I guess he actually had two assists in that game versus LA. So I guess already, you know, it's one game and I would like to see more shots, but you know, I mean, whatever. If you want to hold on for a little longer, but I think you could also probably let yeah. him go. Cause you, you're right. Like, that, yeah. like I looked at him before that two assist game. Maybe that, that buys him a stay of execution here. See if, see if he can keep that up, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next up, we're going to Chicago, a team that is struggling, but they're only down three to two versus Pittsburgh. They'll probably lose four to two. And like we discussed, Jake Gensel will probably score an empty net goal. We'll find out uh, by the end of this recording, probably. But in the meantime, who do, who do we want to talk about here? We've talked about a lot of Chicago Blackhawks over the season. I guess we could mention that Caleb Jones had been manning the top power play and Seth Jones is absent. And then uh, Caleb Jones was pointless in five games and had a brutal negative five outing on Wednesday. I say negative five. Who talks like that? He was minus five. And then he ended up getting benched versus Boston on Saturday as punishment or to learn. Now he's back in the lineup today and he's back on the top power play, I guess, for what it's worth. I don't know. I'm kind of over him. I know that at one point we were saying like, oh, if, if he's going to take over on the top power play, that's kind of interesting. But it's almost reminded me of like, uh, you know, Columbus's situation where Bjork is on the top power play. And it's not like we're like telling people to like, go and grab Bjork because he's going to be so amazing. Like maybe Caleb Jones will get your power play assist every once in a while. But I think I think you can move on safely if you had him. Yeah, I agree. He's not someone like I dropped him earlier this week, even though he was going to get me an extra game. And I don't have any regrets like chicago also went five forwards for some well i didn't see i haven't seen the lines yet for them this game but they went five forwards on their power play for some of the last games and the biggest time on ice getter on defense with the main advantage was philip roos who's a 23 year old rookie yeah well like i said jones was scratched in that last game but but roos like i just he has three points in 10 games doesn't do much of anything had six points in 50 games in the top league in sweden last year so like there's I, I agree. What I'm saying with you, Elon, is I it is very much a Columbus situation where I'm not that like I'll stream in the top power play guy, but I'm not holding on for dear life. Okay, and actually Shams is correcting us. It looks like today, yeah, Caleb Jones is not on the top power play. He has the most point uh time for a defenseman, but they've been going five forwards again. Again today. So, so there you go. Yeah. And why wouldn't Whatever. they? I don't think I don't think Caleb Jones is an upgrade on even like <laughs> I, I don't know who's playing the point. Right, like defensively. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's a shame. Let's go now to the Minnesota Wild. Brian, you dropped Kalen Addison, so I guess that answers that question. Uh he has been a total bust, even though he was getting that his own top power play time, which was exciting. Uh the guy who's in an exciting spot right now is Sam Steele. Remember him? He was like that guy on Anaheim. That be, I remember we used to talk about Steele and Terry as like the up and coming guys on Anaheim. And one of them turned into a superstar and the other one wound up on Minnesota. And probably a lot of people didn't even realize he was on Minnesota until uh, Saturday where he was centering the top line. And he had a big game. He had a goal and an assist. He assisted on the overtime winner. Uh, so, yeah. I feel like he's probably a good deep ad right now. We'll have to see if it lasts. We've already talked about Freddie Gaudreau there and obviously Hartman. And I think did, did Rossi get a shot? Maybe, I don't know for half a game. Anyway, Sam Steele's there right now and he had a good game. So he'll probably be there for the next game. So if you have a spot, you know, someone that we have to at least call out on the podcast and we'll see if he can hold on for a little longer. Yeah, I guess so. I, I think that's it. Like Sam Steele is what like plan F or G for top line center in Minnesota. And I hadn't gotten the impression to this point that he's been making a positive impression in Minnesota, but this is where the wild are at again. I guess like the team is underperforming. It's a bummer. And uh, the rule is you want the guy who plays with Kirill Kaprizov. And that's who Sam Steele is right now. Sam Steele is that guy. 
Okay, yeah. And then I guess uh, on the other side, Matt Boldy's really disappeared after his really hot start to the year. He only has one assist in his last eight games. Uh, he's still on the top power play, but that's not helping him much. Just like similar to Kalen Addison, uh, you know, being on the top power play, I guess, isn't everything. Boldy was playing with Nick Patan and Freddie Gaudreau on Saturday, which are not very exciting line mates. At what point do we consider Boldy an official snoozer in one-year leagues? I guess we could compare him to uh, Matty Veneers, I guess. Another high-pedigree young player that we were excited about going into the season and now i'm wondering if it's just time to say maybe maybe this isn't going to be the year for matt boldy that's a very legit thing to say with what we've seen from matt boldy lately remember he started the year with 10 points in 10 games that was so exciting but now he's done so poorly that he's down from a 82 point pace to a 50 point pace which by the way includes 23 power play points uh, or at least pacing boldy's pacing for 23 power play points on a minnesota power play that has not been terribly good Lately, Boldy is still getting three shots per game, but unfortunately, the line he's on, like Nick Petan or Petan and Freddie Gaudreau, it's not a good place. So, like, remember we were saying earlier that maybe Boldy was getting Fiala going because Fiala was struggling and Boldy was good out of the gate. Um, and so, like, oh, Matt Boldy can do anything with anyone, but Petan and Gaudreau are like below anyone. I think they they seem fairly replacement level this season. So Boldy has no one else at all to play with. Like there's no one he has that he can get going. So then what for Boldy? And I think the answer is that a 50 point pace seems pretty fair. And if you you are rostering Boldy, you might be snoozing. But he'd also be if he's available in free agency or if you dropped him, he'd be one of the free agents with the highest upside, like of anyone in the pool uh, in most leagues, at least cacupful size. So you just have to be comfortable with that if that's the call you're making. I'm just not sure that Boldy has a path to reaching that upside I'm, I, that excites us all without playing with Kaprizov or even Zuccarello. Like he needs someone and there isn't anyone aside from those guys who are still mostly playing together for the moment. Yeah, like he's with them on the top power play, but maybe that's not enough to make him like really exciting guy to have on your fantasy roster. Okay, next up, we are going to the LA Kings. We've gotten a lot of airtime on our Keeping Carlson Network because of their good schedule over these past couple of weeks. Well, was this week they had a good schedule. And then if you listen to Dave Benton's stream scheme, which went out on Saturday, Brian, what a look at us, always innovating. And now Dave released the stream scheme on Saturday to give you a little more notice of like, which players have good schedules that you want to stream in for next week and yeah once again la has a good schedule so you're going to want to get all your you know trevor moore shares arvidson if he's out there ben talked about on the last short shifts episode which by the way great fun week of fantasy hockey life co-hosts on our short shifts episode right so thanks so much again to victor and jesse for coming and guesting with ben and lewis over on short shifts this week and obviously you can listen to them over on the fantasy hockey life podcast which we're big fans of anyways ben was talking about how much he loves trevor moore on thursday he was like ivan was a little bit like surprised when i think at one point he said like they, jesse asked to compare him to arvidson and then ben was like oh i like trevor moore better and it's like not even close and i was like well okay i mean it's a bit of a bold take i think it's at least close but you go ben i like the hot takes and yeah both looked great last week trevor moore obviously had that hat trick and then kept it going uh, someone that's not looking great lately though is Andre kopitar who tom's wanted us to talk about he brought it up on our discord only one goal no assists in the last six games for kopitar he's only pacing for 55 on the season now which is 
really low for him. That would be among one of his worst ever seasons. So is this a guy who's finally falling off at the age of 35? Or is this going to be someone where you're going to say like Brian Russ, like now's a great time to go and, and get him and see if there's a manager who is going to be like too nervous about him, then you'll be able to get a steal here. For what it's worth, uh, McClellan put Fiala back on the top line in Saturday's game. So Kopitar has someone new to play with instead of Gabe Velarde, who maybe becomes a snoozer now himself in the <laughs> vein of Matt Boldy. So Brian, is Kopitar a rust? Is Villardi uh what was I saying? A, a boldy? I'm getting very confused here. But anyways, oh Kopitar, let's just focus on him. Let's just focus on Kopitar. <laughs> okay. Are we worried about this guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a little worried about Anze Kopitar. He's down 30 seconds a night at five on five, which is what we knew would happen, like a slow decrease in his role until he can't do it anymore. Well, Deneau's role will increase. His shot rates have taken a slight tumble too. One thing with Kopitar that isn't going his way even when it should is that his on shooting percentage is below 7%, though actually for, for many people... Uh, for many top line players in the NHL, that would be like a 2% departure, at least from his usual number. But Kopitar has always had a pretty low on ice shooting percentage, especially for someone we consider a pretty reliable score. So I don't even know that there's a huge amount of like positive regression to come for Kopitar here. We're also seeing some problems for Kopitar on the power play. He has four power play points in 22 games, which is pacing for just 15 points with the man advantage. When Kopitar is usually comfortably above 20 power play points. And this is a bit of him. Like he's basically stopped shooting on the power play, which I don't like, but it's also a bit of Kopitar's team. The Kings haven't seemed to figure out their power play yet. They're only converting on 10% of their shots with Kopitar on the ice with the man advantage. And they're converting fewer than 20% of the power play opportunities they get. So all of this to say, uh, like I, I just said a bunch of stuff about Kopitar. I don't see anything overly concerning, but at the same time, I don't see anything like overly reassuring too. And this is kind of a a wishy-washy answer, Elon, but I'm not sure where to go with Kopitar from here. Like I, I, I would assume we're not about to see his best season ever. I would also assume he can still get on track, but I'm not ready actually to really commit one way or another. I'm curious what, what you think, because the numbers, the numbers here aren't really telling me anything. I guess uh, maybe the only other thing to mention is that Kaliev leads the team in power play points. Like no one's succeeding on the power play and Kaliev's on the second unit. Fiala and Arvidsson have five points each. Moore has four points along with Kopitar and Doughty, who's also struggled to put up points this season. So Elon, all of that, I, I don't know. What's your feeling on Kopitar? Yeah, I, he doesn't interest me that much, to be honest. Like like you said, like it just doesn't get give the vibe that he's going to like be like bouncing back and having like an amazing season. Maybe he'll do a little bit better, but maybe we're looking at like a 65, maybe 70 point guy, which is like, you know, not a huge number of shots. So he's not, you know, helping a lot aside from his points. So, yeah, I, I'm not especially into him. Maybe we'll see if him playing with Fiala again will get him going. But like the thing is, LA is deeper this year. Like they don't need to rely just on the top line. Now that, like, that, that line with like Arvidsson and Moore and Deneau like is doing really well. And even, you know, Fiala was on the third line crushing it. So we'll see now what happens now that he's swapped in. But yeah, I, I think that I'm not overly excited. Like Shams asked if I'm snoozing by holding him in a couple. I don't think I would like drop Kopitar. But if you could get a decent return for him, I wouldn't be like, oh no, you need to hold on because he's about to bounce back in a huge way. So I, I think we're on the same page here. I think so. Both of us are saying okay. we're not like being like, oh, great buy low opportunity. We're kind of like, yeah, maybe Kopitar is fading out a bit and we don't want to wade into that situation. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Buffalo now. Uh, so 
Comrie is out for weeks, apparently, so we don't know how long he'll be gone. In the meantime, they've called up Ukopeko Lukanen, who had a very rough first outing versus Toronto. After all the drama with Brian and I, I added him just for him to like, it was my, I was going to lose that matchup anyways. And you know what? Whatever. I'm still kind of interested in Ukopeko Lukanen. He had a nice run last year. He put up a 917 save percentage in nine games before getting hurt himself. Uh, so now you have an opportunity, maybe that you don't have to rush to add him. You can wait until his next start because maybe people are afraid of how badly he did versus Toronto but Toronto's a tough team and it was his first game in so I don't know I'm curious to know what you think I just feel like Craig Anderson likely can't handle a heavy workload so I feel like as long as Lukanen can put together a couple decent games which I think he's capable of like he's a high pedigree prospect he showed us that he could go on a good run last year and Buffalo I think is better this year than last year though they've been really terrible lately so it's hard to say but he's he's kind of interesting to me if you're in a situation where you could use a goalie yeah, he is. Uh, but, you know, one thing I learned about with Ugo Pekka Luokinen's performance last night against Toronto was the definition of schadenfreude. Like, my whole life, I've struggled to really grasp the concept. But after our, our non-discussion about UPL and then watching uh, the goals get racked up against him, against Toronto, I, I felt it. I felt it and it was good. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I am with you, though. I am. I, I I, I believe that you mean that sincerely because you still, it didn't affect your weekly outcome. Right? Yeah, I was going to lose anyway. Yeah, so there, it, was a, it was a move for the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as a move for the future, Elon, I could see UPL taking a similar path to more starts in Buffalo that Comrie did. Remember, Anderson and Comrie were sort of like, you know, neck and neck to start the season, but. My belief, and as it turned out, was true that Comrie like eventually would gain more starts, and I think that's it. Like I think the risk is that, as it was with Comrie at the start, Luokinen and Anderson are in a tandem until Luokinen shows like some steady enough play to earn a couple starts in a row. But I don't think it should be too long. Like he's been a, a Victor from Fancy Hockey Life. I was chatting with him on our Discord server, and he shared with me that Uko Pekka Luokinen's uh, goals saved above conceded numbers, which is a stat that describes a goalie's play in a way that you can sort of interpret for the NHL from other leagues, including the AHL. It's always been good for UPL. And this year he had a bad save percentage in the AHL, but Rochester, I was reading this week, has been very bad for protecting their goalies. I would have shared that with you had you engaged in the conversation with me. Um, The trouble (laughs) for UPL is also that Buffalo is also having a hard time protecting their goalie. So Luokinen's going to be exposed there. I'm not going to be too discouraged from a tough performance uh, in his first game in the NHL this season against the Leafs. I think he's a competitor. I think there's a good chance he starts two of every three going forward. And I think there's a decent chance he does well in those starts. So if you are desperate for goalies, like if you're holding Grubauer, hoping he does something and Luokinen's available on the wire, I'd make that swap easy. Okay. Yeah, like, I mean, Shane is saying in the chat here, I'm not sure if I'd be adding any Buffalo goalie, which is, which is reasonable. So it depends on your league, right? But if you could use volume, then I do think there's a chance. Like you said, there's a path that he could get some. All right, next up, Brian, we've still got, what do we have, like about 10, 10, 12 teams to go here. And we'll get to them in just a sec. We'll take a quick break first. Hope everyone is enjoying the show. Let us know if you are. Tweet at us, at Keeping Carlson, while Twitter still exists. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back, and I wanted to go next to the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't have anything too exciting to talk about here. Like, there's no like hot free agents that I think you need to rush for at this point. So, how about this? Two fun questions. Number one, Jack Eichel. He's just amazing, right? Like, I, I, this is not even a question. This is a statement. He's a, 
a huge draft steal. I think he fell in drafts this year further than he should have. He's already on a 95 point pace and like climbing. Uh, I think next year I could see him going in round one. Like to me, like I don't see much difference between Jack Eichel and like an Alex Barkov. Maybe even I'd prefer Eichel. Like maybe I think it's at least I think that's an interesting conversation, which I think says all you need to know about what I think about Eichel. Uh, you know, I asked before about if Elias Pettersson is going to hit 100 points this year. What do you think in terms of just straight up points? And I think Eichel's better for fantasy because he shoots more. Though you, you did talk about how Pettersson's been shooting a lot more. But straight up points, who do you think is going to get more? Assuming they both play the full 82 games, Eichel or Pettersson? Huh. You know, I think I, I think we can go Eichel just because, and that's like a, a full line. Look, that Eichel, Stone, Stevenson line just looks really good, like unstoppably good. Um, yeah, I get, I don't know, Elon. I, I'm struggling with this because also... You could just say it's close. You could say coin flip. It's clo- and that's okay, the answer. okay, I'll say coin flip. Like Vancouver plays their top unit more often than Vegas does. Vegas only plays their top unit this year. Eichel seeing a 60% share of his team's power play time and fewer overall minutes than Pedersen is. So... Um, yeah. Okay. I think I. I think I will just go. I'll call it a coin flip, Elon. It's a really good question. Like I, I'm actually kind of leaning back towards Pedersen now, just because that okay. that extra power play time. But that's how close it is. I like both these guys. What Eichel's doing at a 95 point pace looks pretty darn sustainable to me. And I think there might even be room for a couple more power play points than he's gotten in there too, even with only a 60 percent share of the time. So uh, just be happy if you have either of these guys. Yeah, and then another guy that you might be happy with if you're in a categories league and one of the categories is blocks, Alec Martinez is a cheat code. He's insane this year. He's had 18 blocks in his past three games. There was one game where he had nine blocks in one game. Blocks, like a defenseman who gets like two or three a game is like a very good defenseman for blocks. And we're like, Martinez is lapping everyone. He now has 88 blocks on the season in 19 games. Second place... I, I mean, Brian, you have my notes here. Listener, try to guess your whatever. Maybe you'll guess David Savard with 54, 88 to 54. <laughs> it's it's not even close. Okay, so Alec Martinez got to give him props for just getting in front of every single puck. It would be nice if we could get a few more points to make him actually valuable in fantasy beyond just blocks. Maybe he could luck into a couple more. Like in Kakupful, he's probably already worth rostering just because that 0.5 per game per block like is adds up, right? And if, especially if he could get an assist, like one assist a week even would make him like look really amazing. So just wanted to shoot him out there. Yeah, when you said that Martinez was lapping the field and shots blocked, he basically is there's nine guys in the league that martinez isn't doubling in shots blocked for 60 minutes that's it and those nine guys that martinez isn't doubling he's almost doubling so as you said alec martinez bears repeating a blocked shots cheat code if those are helpful to your fantasy team go get them Okay, let's go to Tampa Bay now. And we had a question from Kev about uh, Sorelli. So Anthony Sorelli was on the ice for practice the other day. And we still don't know any lines of like where he's going to go. So Kev was asking, does he take Nick Paul's spot on line two? So it's recently been Paul with Stamkos and Killorn. Uh, he's wondering if Sorelli is someone worth rostering a couple. I guess maybe some people stashed him in IR or thinking of maybe grabbing him now. Um, I'll just throw it out there that last year, Sorelli had a 46-point pace. And he was playing most of the season with Stamkos and Killorn ended up with Killorn and Hagel. I guess Stamkos went up to play with Kucherov for a bit. Uh, the latest lines this year for Tampa have been Point, Kucherov, and Hagel, and then Stamkos, like I said, with Paul and Killorn. So yeah, maybe Sorelli takes Nick Paul's spot. Is Nick Paul worth rostering in a couple right now? Like maybe, like 
he had a decent run recently, though he's pointless in his last couple games. So, Sorelli, I don't know. To me, like, I'm pretty bored by Anthony Sorelli. But, like, it's nice to play with Stamkos. But I think, like, that 46-point pace last year is probably similar to what I'd expect this year. I don't know. Am I missing something with Sorelli? No, you're not. You know, in his career, he's been in good deployment situations a couple times. And we've always covered it on the show. And he's never really made a whole lot of it. So I don't expect that to change. Maybe, maybe he can be a 50-point guy, but he's not somebody that I am, like, eagerly watching to come off of injured reserve so I can snap him up or make sure he's active in my roster the moment he's healthy, even if he is playing with Stamkos. Like, I'll raise an eyebrow. Maybe that puts him into streaming territory. But like I said, he's not someone I have huge expectations for. Yeah, like if, if he's on top power play, now we're talking, okay? Then you'll have me interested, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Daniel also wanted us to talk about Hedman. He said, can you can you please talk about Hedman? I need someone to tell me he's going to get his top power play spot back and then with a crying emoji. And yeah, you should be crying because he had nothing, no points uh, in the game on Saturday. He actually has no points in his last six games. And Tampa has won four games in a row. So they're not sad with how things are going. So I don't see any reason why they should switch Hedman back to the top power play if they're being so successful with him manning the second power play unit and I guess using his energy for even strength time to do defensive things because he doesn't even have a point recently but they're still winning so I would be very nervous like I don't think he's going to be pointless forever and maybe he will get his top power play spot back at some point it's happened before but I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon I don't know I'm I'm just shaking my head as you say all that it's a huge bummer like Tony D'Angelo or Moritz Sider whoever drafted them like you knew there was some risk there Victor Hedman, it didn't feel like there was this risk here. And when this first happened, when he was first taken off the top unit and replaced by Sergachev, we said what we always say, which is, yeah, usually the Lightning try this for a few games at a time, and then he goes back. I don't know that Hedman has ever spent this much time off the top power play. I am legit panicking. We're at four games now uh, where he's definitely been off the top unit, and there were a couple games before then where, like, maybe just maybe he was uh, like on the, on the borderline top unit. So I'm sorry. I, I have nothing to offer. I don't know. This would be a great question for someone who covers the lightning professionally. Um, if you get an answer or if we do like, let us know. And if we get an answer, we'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. So you should be worried. Sorry. Sorry. We couldn't make you feel that much better, Daniel. Okay. Next we're going to St. Louis. I mean, you should feel better because he's Victor Hedman. So if anyone is going to, you know, turn this around, it's, it's him. He's an amazing player. Uh, that's the best we could tell you. St. Louis. Okay. Last week we talked about how they were struggling. What a change a week makes. What a week for the blues. These last four games have been fantastic. Buchinevich had seven points in those four games, highlighted by two goals and two assists versus Anaheim. Kairou, seven points in those four games. He had three assists versus Anaheim. Having a game versus Anaheim really helps. By the way, Rob Thomas, three points versus Anaheim, six over these last four games. Ryan O'Reilly has four points in his last four games. Tarasenko, uh, three points in his last three games. He was sick yesterday. Uh, Braden Shen. So everyone's good now. So we don't, I don't really have a question. It's just like, uh, good. Like, Brian, you said last week that you expect things to turn around, and they have. It happened very suddenly. Yeah, that's it. I think we can probably move on. I'm glad the Blues have changed the narrative from when will they start scoring to they have now started scoring. So things are moving roughly as expected. And uh, let's check in again. Like, let's let things play out and we'll check in again later and see if any one player is struggling to get back on board. But so far, I don't think that's really been the case. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Dallas. Now, Rope Hints was a late scratch yesterday. Pete DeBoer said, I don't believe it's anything long term. I would call him day to day. He skated in the pregame skate and warm up. We'll see tomorrow. So hopefully 
not a big concern because that would be very terrible. If you have Rope Hints in fantasy, he's been so good. Uh, so there was lots of line shuffling in the 5-2 win over the Islanders yesterday. Uh, but probably we don't need to read too much into it because probably Hints will be back at some point. Jamie Ben, though, another big game. He had a goal and two assists. Ben has been on the top power play all season. So regardless of if Hints is there, like Ben was on the top line for a bit. But whatever, it doesn't matter, right? Because he's been on the top power play. He's up to 20 points in 18 games on the season. Jamie Ben didn't even hit 50 last year. And I know he has a high shooting percentage and all that. So, but Brian, like, like, you know, normalizing for shooting percentage. Like, what pace should we be expecting from Jamie Ben? Like, is he just like a revitalized, like new guy, like back to how he was like five years ago when he used to be one of the most, you know, valuable guys in bangers leagues in fantasy? Because like, I don't know, where did I did not see this coming? I can tell you that right now. Neither did I. Neither did anyone. If anyone was going to have that resurgence this year, we thought, oh, maybe it's Tyler Sagan uh, because he has Mason Marchman to play with. But Jamie Ben. Yeah. Wow. What a season this guy's having. And it's in a funny kind of way. Ben has nine power play points in 18 games. Last year, Ben had 11 power play points in 82 games. The year before that, nine power play points in 52 games. The year before that, 14 power play points in 69 games. Before that, 11 power play points in 78 games. This was all with power play one deployment too. So uh, that Ben has managed to score one power play point every other game this year on average has been a a huge thing for him. And of course, this top power play unit, even though he's getting maybe the same deployment as in some of those past years, this top unit is more potent than it had been in those years. Even then, of course, we can't expect 41 power play points from Jamie Benn. Um, But at the same time, this is the most active a power play role we've seen him in since at least four seasons back, which is good news. And to think that maybe there is going to be some season long relevance for Ben. He's probably in like, I think I've made the point like he's overperforming on the top power play, but it's still good. He's still in a better spot than he has been in the past at five on five. um, He's shooting 20% before this year. He shoots like five six or seven percent he's got eight goals on his last 19 shots so of course it's driving a lot of the excitement around jamie ben um one thing you might not have noticed in all this excitement is he's playing barely 10 minutes a night at five on five so this is a really strange turn of events for ben's career uh where he's kind of turning into this power play specialist but also on a second line but also barely playing on that second line I wonder if Ben could manage 20 power play points and like, I don't know, 25, 30 points at five on five. And even then he still feels barely relevant. So I think what you do is what with Ben is what you've already been doing, which is ride with him for now. Don't get married to him. Uh, let him, you know, let him do stuff for you until he doesn't. And then I, I, cause there's so little hope at five on five from what I'm seeing. And uh, as a power play specialist in a deep league, if you want those PPPs, Maybe he can help you there. Outside of that, I'm not sure we're going to love him as much the rest of the season as we've, as we've loved him so far. Yeah, but it's, I think it's even fun to say outside of fantasy. Like, it's fun it to see fun. just Jamie Ben being good again. Yeah. I hope it lasts. Uh, Mason Marchman, by the way, had a big game. Goal and an assist uh, and seven shots on goal. Uh, in this game over the Islanders that I was just talking about. Uh, he got added in a couple tier one today. He had been in free agency all week. Brian, did I blow it by not pouncing first on Mason Marchman? Do you think it was just an aberration? I don't know. I, I love to see a three-game point streak from Marchment with a big shots game. It's definitely enough to for Marchment to get back onto our radar after he fell right off at two points in 11 games before that. But he's on that second line with Ben uh, that I don't love. And on that second power play unit, that is definitely worse than the top power play unit. So Mason Marchment at best, on your radar, speculative ad maybe, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think you blew it by not rushing out to get him, but you might feel like you regret it over the next couple of weeks if those shots keep coming. Spec ad. Yeah. 
No, I agree. I would go grab him now if he was still out there. Uh, let's go to the Winnipeg Jets now, who have nine fans in our Discord. If you're a Jets fan, you didn't uh, self-select. That's why you're here at 9.50 on a Sunday, finally getting your team talked about. Then we've got even teams with fewer fans coming up. But yeah, Winnipeg, I thought the Canadian teams would be high, like I said. So Ehlers uh, is out for a while. Like He was already been out for a while, and now he just had a surgery. So we don't even know. Apparently, they, uh, you know, Bonus or whoever said that he's going to be back sometime this season. So you know make of that what you will maybe even means the playoffs uh but uh it's gonna be a while in the meantime mason appleton is also hurt so guess who was on the top line with shifley and connor it wasn't blake wheeler it was also what blake wheeler didn't even get on the top power play because they had to make room of course for sam gagne yeah the specialist oh my god anyways he's played this role in columbus he's played it in detroit and he's he'd already been playing it a, a little while in Winnipeg. He plays the role of taking fantasy relevance from other <laughs> yeah, players, but exactly. not actually yes. getting it himself. Yes, this is exactly what he's done. He also did in Edmonton for a while too. Um, of course, the last time Gagne's played this role was back like six years ago. Now for Columbus, he had 18 power play points over 81 games. Uh, getting like top unit deployment and hasn't been on a top unit really in any consistent way since that moment until now elon i'm sorry for you and anybody with the the same blake wheeler shares that you have all isn't lost but what what were you gonna say No, i'm gonna say like the good thing is they lost this, yeah, you know, this dumb exactly. game where they played Sam Gagne. They lost 3 nothing to pittsburgh they couldn't even score on tristan jari who's been terrible all season so come on Let's get things uh, fine. Spread out the offense at even strength. Let's get uh, Blake Wheeler up on the top power play. I th- it's, I'm not a brilliant genius, okay? But I think that might be a smarter move to help get a power play goal. Just a, just a hunch. Okay, yeah, go for that hunch. I traded Wheeler a few weeks back because I didn't, I didn't love what I was seeing. No, fair. I mean, I got him in free agency, yeah. and I was hoping. But, and uh, he's now, uh, it looks like I'm going to win my matchup this week. I'm very happy. People are saying in the chat, Brian, you're saying that I'm in a better mood now I than have, I was at the start of the pod when I thought I was going to lose. noticed the change in tone since <laughs> the moment in the chat that someone told you, like that you realized you were winning. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, winning is fun. I like it. Um, but okay, what was I going to say here? You oh, like yeah, it a little too much, now. IMO. Yeah, that... Yeah, I like winning Laser Quest also, which, you know, maybe makes me play in a way that you don't approve of. Uh, but who are you to tell me what to do? Okay. Well, you're my friend. But, I'm not yeah, telling I you what to do. Opinion. I'm just telling you, you're my friend, and sometimes you make me feel bad. <laughs> when I snipe you in Laser Quest from a, from a high spot that you didn't Wins see coming. Wins first, friends second. Uh, okay, so what? Well, yeah, so I know it sucks, right? One day I'm going to have no friends. I'm going to have all these whatever wins in various games I've played, and I'll have no friends, and that won't be worth much to me, and I'll probably regret it. But what do you, what do you want from me? Okay, well, like, you, I'm living you got, my life the you best got way suckers like me who are never going to leave you, so you don't have to worry about it. I hope so. Okay, uh, let's go to Anaheim. We got a lot of uh, excitement here. All of a sudden, we've got two players, very low rostered, who are looking very rosterable at the moment because they're both in great deployment situations and producing. I'm talking about first of all Adam Henrique, who you've already heard. Talk talked about on the stream scheme and now we're going to give him some love too because he's been on the top line and the top power play with troy terry and trevor zegris uh what more is there to say oh yeah how about this seven points in his last six games so yeah it's probably not going to last forever but how could you not want a guy with this deployment anheim has a good schedule next week go grab adam Henrique. and and if you need a defenseman forget freaking john klingberg that we keep on like talking about even though he stinks like he has only one point in his last five games he's been bumped from the top power play for cam fowler who's had three straight multi-point games oh my god so again i doubt it'll last all season but wowie zowie cam fowler and adam henrique sure do look like tempting ads right now with anaheim having a good schedule both of them on the top power play and producing big time lately 
Yeah, uh, Adam Henrique looks like a very promising ad. If he's available for you, I'd be surprised. He's been doing so well. I can't imagine how he might not have been snapped up yet. And Adam Henrique put up a, basically a 60-point pace from this spot last year that he's got on the top line. Uh, last year, he had 11 power play points in 58 games with second power play unit minutes. So this is a promising situation for Adam Henrique. He's, he's basically on a, a 50-point pace on the whole so far this year, but that seems like the bottom end of Henrique's expected range. I'd put him, you know, up for a 60-point pace again. He definitely seems rosterable, especially with off-night schedules. Whenever that's actually helpful this upcoming week, it's not terribly helpful. There aren't off nights. We've been missing off nights for, it feels like, a few weeks now. But when they start happening again, you'll enjoy having Adam Henrique and probably Cam Fowler. Yeah, six shots against St. Louis on Saturday. Very out of character for him. He has... uh, at least been scoring on the power play. Fowler has just two five-on-five points in 336 minutes played at five-on-five. He's only been on the ice for six goals uh, at even strength. Team is shooting less than 4% with Fowler on the ice. That's not good. So he should be doing a little better. But honestly, even with this power play success... I I don't even know that I can really recommend Cam Fowler where he once had, like he once played on the top unit, had 18 power play points and still barely paced for 45 points on the season. And he only took like a shot per game. But hey, if you're desperate for a fourth defenseman who's uh, like, he's on top power play, got six shots. I would take Fowler for a spin. Absolutely. And hope the shots keep coming. Elon, you mentioned Klingberg. I'll just I'll just join the chorus. What a dreadful season. What a fateful moment it was when I chose when I drafted John Klingberg two spots ahead of the Eric Carlson that you then took. Uh, there was some daylight for Klingberg. He had a four-game point streak, including a seven-shot game at the start of November. But in the five games since that streak snapped, Klingberg has a combined five shots and one goal, no assists, and has now lost top power play deployment. I still think Anaheim should want to build his value, but really Klingberg has just nosedived. His shot rates are way down to nobody with Klingberg's numbers. Not named Klingberg would be anybody we'd even consider rostering. And uh, it's sad to say that's where we stand with John Klingberg. Yeah. I mean, he's making, what, $7 million this year? He got that one-year deal? Yeah. How much do you think he's going to get next year? Well, that's it. The rest of his career is on the line. And with every game that this continues, you got to think that's dollars off the next contract. It's a a real bummer. Maybe maybe now he gets a one-year deal for like $4 million next year where he has to prove it. He just bets on himself one year at a time until he takes like a seven-year league minimum deal. Zach Fry's asking, would love to hear what players have been the most surprising to you, good or bad, that you would have never thought going into the season. Well, Brian's answer is John Klingberg. He thought that yeah, he was going to be I good, and he's actually really I bad. I thought this would have gone way better for Klingberg and the Ducks. Yeah. All right, let's go to the New York Islanders next. Matt Barzal finally scored his first and second goals of the season yesterday versus Dallas. Before that, he was still a point-per-game guy, only with assists. So managers couldn't have been complaining too much. And now if the guy could actually put some pucks in the net... Who knows what the upside is? He's up to 21 points in 19 games. Now, is this finally the year that Matt Barzal gets back to that point per game potential that he showed us as a rookie? Uh, because uh, I don't I don't like, This is one of these guys I didn't really expect it. I thought that we'd sort of locked him in. But I guess we have a new coach on the Islanders in Lane Lambert. Maybe we got to give him some credit for finally figuring out how to unlock Matt Barzell. I'm really excited to see him being a point per game guy. I wonder if you're going to throw cold water and say he's overperforming or if you think this is for real. 
I'm not throwing cold water here. Barzell has looked really good this season. Someone asked about him on our Discord server like um, like about three weeks ago now, and I, I couldn't find the message. But whoever brought him up was brilliant. Because I, I looked, I was like, oh, no, Barzell, like overperforming maybe, probably generally boring. But I was really pleasantly surprised when I wanted to answer the question, and I looked at Barzell, and, and I saw that Barzell's on-ice numbers are the best they've ever been. Like the most expected goals rates for him and his line mates that he's ever had, which is weird because Barzell's line mates or their quality really haven't substantially changed on the surface. Wallstrom, Josh Bailey, and Zach Parisi are Barzell's most common line mates that he is clicking at like a legit rate with. Um, so things look good for Barzell at five on five. But where they look real good for Barzell is on the power play. He is attempting a good deal more shots with the man advantage than he has in the past. Barzell has career-high shot attempt rates there, and the top power play in Long Island also being used more than in the past, getting a greater share of the minutes. This has all helped Barzell get nine power play points in 19 games, so he's pacing for 40 power play points when his career best is 27 power play points. And uh, somehow the New York Islanders power play doesn't even look that great, but Barzell is cashing in. I don't know for sure all that's happening there, but on the whole, I think Barzell is for real and ready to pace for beyond 70 points for the first time in three years and has that upside of being a point-per-game player again. So let's let's keep watching and see if he can keep this up. Okay, yeah, good job to anyone who drafted Matt Barzell. That was a really smart decision that I definitely didn't make. I like he was available late, Brian, in our like that, that joint league we keep talking about. You know, he was it's an eight keeper, and I think he wasn't kept, and he like fell pretty far in that draft, if I recall correctly. And I think that a lot of people passed on him, and whoever got him was really smart. Uh, we could probably find out who that is pretty easily. But instead, I'm going to go to the Nashville Predators, and finally, let's talk about Yuso Parsonin. So this is part two of the Adam Ruzichka story that I wanted to get to, where these two no-name players, at least to me, that are coming out of nowhere onto their team's top lines and producing so Parsonen had a huge week he had two goals including one power play and an assist versus the Islanders and then another power play assist versus Tampa on Saturday he's been on the top line and top power play with Philip Forsberg god imagine it's time to jump on this guy it's kind of a bummer that he's center only so is Ruzichka but maybe at this point you just got to take what you can get and get Parsonen while he's playing on the top line and top power play he also by the way had six hits on Saturday so I mean come on he's even helping you there Excited, very exciting. Yeah, I think it's jump time for Yusuf Parsonin. Seventh round pick, 210th overall back in 2019. Spent three seasons in change in the top league in Finland with TPS Turku. Put up solid numbers there and then came to North America where he put up nine points in 10 games with Milwaukee of the HL. Two goals, seven assists. And now that Parsonin is centering Philip Forsberg, why not? Uh, he is a Past first guy, as you could have ascertained from his AHL numbers. So not a big shooter. Um, keep that in mind. And uh, But go ahead. Yeah, go get him. He's playing with one of the better goal scorers in the league. Why wouldn't you want someone who gets a chance to feed him at even strength and on the power play? The flip side here, Elon, is uh, Matt Duchesne has been bumped down to the second line and second power play. He was cold a while. He's been okay again lately, even while he's on the second line, second power play, but still... He's on the second line, second power play unit. This is not what we were hoping for when those of us like myself drafted him as an 80, maybe even more point player. Um, and he's only playing like 16 minutes a night lately. So I'm not loving what Yusuf Parsons' ascendance means for Matt Duchesne. So keep an eye on uh, how much Duchesne can be worth. And if you have Duchesne and someone else in your league hasn't noticed that he's slipped a bit, maybe this is a good time to kick tires on offers for him. 
Yeah. Okay. Definitely a bit concerning. I guess like a Kuznetsov situation. Like we expected higher deployment. He's not getting it. Let's see if he can still produce. Maybe not. Uh, let's go to Florida now. So they played today. We had a whole discussion in the uh, general NHL channel uh, leading up to the game because Florida hadn't tweeted out their lines yet right before. And I was really curious because I was going to stream someone in. And I was curious if Colin White was going to stick with Barkov and Verhage. And then we saw like some tweet that turned out not to be reliable that White wasn't on that line. And then anyway, now and then then it turned out that he wasn't. Shams was saying, no, you shouldn't have trusted that tweet. And actually Colin White is starting the game with Barkov. But now I'm looking at what the lines actually were throughout the game and it was a whole different set of lines it was barkov with reinhardt and Verhage. so sam reinhardt back on the top line if this is true which i don't see why i wouldn't be uh and then matthew kachuk was playing with sam bennett and etu lusterinen who's been actually a pretty good guy distributing lusterinen i believe had another oh no he didn't have another point today okay so forget that but he's obviously in a good spot uh if you want a really deep guy playing with kachuk and bennett uh but anyways all that said what did I want to talk about? I was going to talk about Colin White on the top line, but now he's not there anymore. So, yeah, I don't know. Nothing really to talk about on Florida. I guess uh, no. everyone who you'd be interested in is probably already rostered. Yeah, except for those of us who did uh, stream in Colin White for that th- assumed top line uh, upside. He took one shot and he scored on it. So congrats to anybody who needed that to win their matchups. You didn't deserve it, but you got it. I'm one of those people. Nick Cousins and Josh Mahura with the assist, driving home the point that Colin White is not locked in for great deployment going forward. Yeah, so definitely drop him next week. Uh, by the way, Brandon Montour still on the top power play. He's been two defensemen. He has 18 points in 16 games now. Uh, that was before today's game, so I guess I could check and see what he did. But uh, yeah, I don't think this guy's going to slow down that much. Like Obviously, he's not a point per game, but I think for people who were thinking he's going to totally fall off once Ekblad comes back, doesn't seem like that's the case. The case. Like, yeah, no points today, but seven shots. And he played 24 minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, so Montour, I think he's for real. Like, I think a lot of people were thinking like sell high, but I think probably like sell high, obviously, if you can get like, you know, Victor Hedman. Well, even though that might be an interesting question at this point, <laughs> but I'd, I'd probably still take Hedman. But like, you know, this is the conversation we're having, right? Like Montour, I think is like kind of for real, like maybe like what, 55, 60 point guy potentially. Yeah, no, for sure. We talked about him last, like you would have thought, knowing us like, oh yeah brandon montour ekblad's back forget it but i mean you mentioned the shots elon when i prepped when i looked at him the last time i looked at him before we went on the air brandon montour had four shots through 10 minutes tonight and then he added three more through the rest of the game seems established on the top unit i think the next flashpoint for montour's deployment would be if the top power play slumps or if that doesn't happen maybe it's when anthony duclair returns because no one else is really screaming out for a top power play job to bump Montour, which is, you know, this is bad news for Sam Bennett, Anton Lindell, or anyone else who may have seemed on the cusp of a promotion from uh, the second unit to the top unit. But I think Montour has got that spot locked down and the trust of his coach. He is a great guy to have. Okay, let's go to Carolina now. We're wrapping this up. We've got three teams to go. Let's see if the intrepid listeners can try to figure out what are the three teams we haven't talked about yet. One of them is Carolina. Uh, you know, back to Zach Fry's question of who was the most surprising. Definitely, I didn't expect Martin Nate has to do as well as he was doing. Though Ben and, and or Lewis, I forget actually. I think it was Ben. Talked about how like maybe he's falling off a little bit. Maybe it was Lewis actually. Anyway, doesn't matter. It was on short shifts. Those were both great shows this week. I really enjoyed them. Uh, and you should be subscribed to Keeping Carlson so you can get all of our great shows, Stream Scheme, Short Shifts, and these mega shows. So then, you know, I don't know if people know this. Podcasts are great. Okay. If you're just like streaming, you just went to Spotify and you go pick and choose your episodes, you can like subscribe to podcasts and they download it automatically. It's fantastic. Anyway, uh, what did I want to talk about in Carolina? There's not that much here, but I guess I'll bring up that Svechnikov is cold. He only has one goal, no assists in his last four games. He's off the off 
Aho line, at least in the last game. They went back to Stefan Nosen. Nason, I already forgot, but I think it was Nason uh, playing with Aho and Nechas. Not that I'm saying I think it's going to last, but less fun than when Svechnikov was playing with Aho and Nechas. But are we going to assume this is just nothing to be concerned about, or should we be a little concerned that maybe Svechnikov is going to not be able to keep up how he started the season? I'm a little concerned about Svechnikov, which I don't know what that's worth, because I feel like he has all the talent in the world and we don't need to worry too much about him. Um, but last year, when Svechnikov was off the top line, he played with Vincent Trocek. And now he's playing with Seth Jarvis and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Can they be good enough line mates uh, to keep him rolling? Or was Trocek, we've seen Trocek be really good and what he's worth for the Rangers. So I'm not, I don't know. So that's one question in my mind. The other one is that um, what would Svechnikov's season look like if he wasn't shooting twice his usual shooting percentage? He's shooting 20%. He scored 12 times on 60 shots. Normally, he'd have six goals on that many shots based on his usual 10% shooting percentage, which would put Svechnikov on a 55-point pace. Uh, So, like, a couple red flags here for Svechnikov. The thing is, the numbers all around look okay elsewhere. Um, His on-ice expected goals rates are down, but... I don't know. You know, I think normally I would say, don't worry about Svechnikov. And in this context, I'm saying maybe there's a little more reason to be worried than you might have already been. I'm just going to toss it out there. Don't get too reactive, but keep an eye out. I'm I'm not sure how into Svechnikov I am if he doesn't um, play more with Aho and or Nechas. I'm, I'm a little concerned. Okay, well... I I guess I, it's hard for me to say. I don't want to say I'm too concerned because I think last year at one point, Svechnikov was on a cold streak and I said I was concerned and then yeah. he just went, ended up being great. Yeah, and I just don't exactly. want to like, get into that. He's so good. Right. Like, he can so do that think, to us. Like I'm also a little concerned. I'm not too concerned. I think that's a, a he, good way to frame yeah. it. He's kind of like an Ovechkin. It's like he's a little cold right now, but I don't really want to go out and tell people that I think he's not going to bounce back because he's so good that you just, he, you know he can do it. Like there's reasons, like you're bringing up good reasons why maybe he won't, but like he's also good enough that he could. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to say. You don't want to freak out too much. Uh, two teams to go. Everyone in the chat is trying to guess. They guess that Arizona is one of them. The other one, probably the reason you're not guessing the other team is because I think we did mention them in passing uh, and we just didn't, uh, you know, make them our official team. Uh, at that point and he's they've been talked about so much on the pod over these past few weeks on ours and on short shifts i'm talking about columbus blue jackets okay we haven't officially covered the blue jackets yet today this team that is totally decimated even worse than the philadelphia flyers are decimated uh so they played today against florida and get this brian they won against the florida panthers on a back both teams are on a back-to-back but still that's wild yeah, and uh, I was deciding on a stream for today. Uh, I was in a close matchup, and I w- ended up deciding between Gustav Nyqvist, who was, it was tweeted that he was, and he did play on the top line with Jenner and Goudreau. I was deciding between him and Tarasov, who I was a little scared to start against the Panthers. Tarasov ended up having an insane game. He would have been the right choice. He stopped 47 of 50. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like Florida didn't try to win this game. <laughs> like, it seems like I don't know all the deeper stats, but like, Man, like Florida just couldn't get enough by Tarasov. They really threw the kitchen sink at him. Meanwhile, Bobrovsky, I'm seeing, had a terrible game. Only stopped 18 of 23. Youch. So uh, I guess we're definitely going to see Spencer Knight again soon. Uh, but now Tarasov becomes someone that I'd say hold for, I don't know, not hold like forever, but I, I'd imagine how he gets the next game over Corpusalo while Merzlikens is injured. Like I'm really excited to see some of these highlights now and see what Tarasov was doing. Uh, what else can we talk about here? I guess I'll tell you about some other players who had big games. Goudreau had a goal and two assists. Bemstrom on the top power play. He had an assist. I don't know. Then everyone else is just one point. So I don't know. I don't really have a question. I'm interested in uh, how great Tarasov did. That's about it. And Nyquist on the top line, but not top power play. So how exciting is that? Not really. 
Okay, I'll jump to Tarasov, Elon. I think he's someone who's uh, who's really interesting. Victor from Fancy Hockey Life, I wrote him. I was like, hey, what do you see? Because Tarasov has small samples everywhere he's gone. He hasn't really been anywhere for very long. He had a 925 save percentage for Ufa Salavat Ufayev in the KHL in 16 games in 2020-21. And there's not a whole lot else to really sink your teeth into for Tarasov, aside from the fact that he was a third-round draft pick, 86 overall of the Blue Jackets in 2017. So Victor gave me his thoughts and said that he uh, he thinks Tarasov has a track record of being like a, a legit goalie in the NHL. Like the, He's on track to be there. Um, and we sort of had this conversation last year, too, where we saw the upside but not the opportunity with Merzlikens. Now that Merzlikens out, I wonder, we... we I feel confident, as I've made clear before, that Corpusalo isn't the guy to run away with the job. So maybe this is an open door for Tarasov to step in. The only problem is he's got to play behind Columbus, which who's not going to protect their goalie uh, terribly well. But to, to fill out the rest of Victor's thoughts that I, are very valuable to share, and if you want more, Fantasy Hockey Life is the name of uh, his podcast with Jesse Severe. Uh, he has Tarasov fifth on his ranks of goalies under 50 NHL games. So only Wallstedt. Uh, Lucas Dostal and uh, Askarov are ahead of Tarasov on Victor's list of goalies who haven't played a whole lot in the league yet. So that's a that's a pretty big vote of confidence. Yeah. Wait, did you say Tarasov is fifth? Uh, yes. But you only said three goalies. Oh, because, I don't know who the fourth one well, is. The, the other one is Spencer Knight, who's about to leave the uh, list. Uh, I see. Okay. Uh, Spencer Knight, who should definitely have played for Florida, and maybe they would have done a little better today. Uh, okay, so very exciting. We had a question here about Kent Johnson. He scored a goal. That's exciting. He's going to be really awesome one day. He's already on the top power play, so he's someone maybe to look at in deeper leagues. I don't know for one-year leagues if he's going to do too much. I mean, Columbus is not going to have games like this too often, but it's really cool. I- I'm actually kind of sad now that we had to podcast and not watch this game. <laughs> it would have been fun to see. Uh, okay, let's. I'm not that sad, though, because I've been having a great time, and we're going to end in Arizona, who are an interesting team to talk about because they've got two big outjuries coming. Jacob Chikrin and Nick Schmaltz both expected to play tomorrow and Arizona has a great schedule next week. They play four times. So if either of these guys are out there, go get him. And in fact, like Nick Schmaltz is probably going to go right up with Clayton Keller, who's kept the point per game. So who knows? Maybe Keller will be able to help Schmaltz, you know, do similar to what he did last year. Like I would definitely be rushing to grab him if he was out there. And then Chikrin, man, that's an interesting storyline, right? Because like, there's been so many rumors about every team like wanting to trade for Jacob Chikrin. All Arizona needs to do, if they're smart, is showcase him, and they're going to get a big return. Like, you search for Chikrin on Twitter, and it's it's like half the tweets are just Leafs and Sens fans saying how like they need to trade for this guy. Uh, so yeah, I'm really interested to see how the deployment's going to work out, and also like how much ice time, and also obviously if Chikrin is 100, percent you know, he's had all these injuries, the hand. And that was like something else. Like he, recently it's hand, but then there was another injury. I don't even know. He's been out for a while. And I'm excited to see what he's got. So, you know, this is more like not an advice question or anything, but more just like I'm excited to see. And I'm sure Ben and Lewis will cover uh, Chikrin and Schmaltz's returns on short shifts this week. So this is more like a preview for those shows. So it's good that they went last. Yeah. And it's a really good time for Chikrin to be coming. It wouldn't have been such a great time in those first six games of the season when uh, Goss Bear was hot. Eight points in his first six games, uh, f- over four shots a night, four and a half shots a night, basically. And since then, uh, Goss Bear has been ice cold. Like anybody who was feeling like really great about having him, like, I, I hope you felt great. Because since then, there hasn't been a lot to feel good about. He has been pointless in nine of his last ten. This is Goss Despair, save for one two-assist outing uh, against Washington. And he's averaging one and a half shots shots per game 
in these last 10 games. So Gostas Bear has gone like from like skyrocketing stock to basically nothing. And uh, that's a great opportunity for Shikrin to walk in and also get showcased by the Coyotes, who definitely still have designs on trading him. He has designs on being traded. So maybe it'll work out well for everybody. But this is a great opportunity or timing for Shikrin's return. And as for uh, Nick Schmaltz, um, yeah, he's needed to in Arizona. Arizona has just six goals in their last four games. And they're also six games into this uh, this dreaded 14-game road trip that we've man- that we've mentioned a bunch. So eight games from now, we might need to wait uh, eight games to see Shikrin and Schmaltz and what they can really do when this, this god-awful road trip is over for the Coyotes. But once that happens, um, I'm open to both of them doing stuff, especially if Shikrin can play a meaningful role on the top power play. And I assume Schmaltz is finally going to be someone that Keller can play with, and hopefully they can get each other going the way they did last year. Yeah, I believe I don't want to spoil stream scheme too much, but Dave was talking about Boyd and how he's like got this great deployment. So before you rush to stream in Travis Boyd, I would wait just to see where Schmaltz plays and if that bumps Boyd. Maybe it won't, and maybe Travis Boyd will still be top line, top power play, but not a guarantee because Schmaltz is obviously a guy who you'd think would get priority there. But maybe there's room for both. Uh, but with that, Brian, we've made it through all 32 teams, only a little bit above two hours. So I'm pretty impressed. I think if we didn't have your uh, you know airing of the grievances at the start then we would have done well, it just if, in time if you had just talked to me <laughs> about I, upl yeah, then, just, yeah we would have been fine i've learned my lesson and i'm gonna be better moving forward no you're not a good friend to you, you haven't i want to be you i want to you want to be but you won't be well you know uh, step one is admitting you have a problem and i'm, I'm doing that here okay okay sort of. i'll take except you you told me you wouldn't go to th- our therapy appointment I mean, if you schedule it, I mean, as long as I don't have to pay for it, I guess I have nothing to lose. <laughs> no, there's, <laughs> no, there's no benefits on our podcast employee plan. We should ask Blue Wire if we have benefits. Oh, good idea. Okay, I'll put it on the to-do list. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You Hope know you like the show. This show has been nope. therapy. I'm good. Okay, great. So we're back to 100% Mostly. friendship level. Wait, well, okay, we're, we're getting there. Uh, I'm very good friends with the listeners. I, I appreciate you very much because we wouldn't do this without you. We also wouldn't do this without the patrons, right? Uh, so thanks to the patrons, thanks to the listeners for your, you know, varied levels of support. As far as the patrons go, we have a ton of perks for you if you want to come support the show uh, financially uh, for only five bucks a month US, which is becoming more and more Canadian. So sorry, I, I think there was like a, something where like all of a sudden the people who pay in Canadian, like it, they bumped them up and we had a whole issue that we had to look into. But anyways, hopefully that's all resolved. Uh, but I don't know why I'm getting into that. Uh, the, the perks that we give to patrons for your support are first of all, this show, which we put out. And then we have the awesome Discord server where we're chatting all the time, which we've referenced a lot. And we you know get questions for the podcast which we've brought up you know we get from the patrons we do our monthly patron cast we did a really fun one last week which you could still go listen to i think you'll enjoy it uh obviously the cupful which is too late to join uh but you could actually join and get on the wait list and still get a team because you know there's always teams falling off and then you know you'll be able to play in the cupful next year uh we also have the show notes which we post every week and like we said uh, if you want to be able to join our live shows moving forward which are always a lot of fun we've had a lot of fun here in the chat uh that will be a perk for patrons as well starting next week so all of that and more find out the information over at keepingcarlson.com slash patron and yeah we'd also appreciate a five-star review on itunes maybe you'll think i'm asking too much but hey we gave you a you know two plus hour podcast here so i hope you don't mind a little bit of a a request segment here right at the end but with that brian i'm done okay all i request now is for brian to cue the outro music and then to read us the credits 
All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters who really show us how much they love. Uh, look, everyone does what they can. So thank you very much to Kevin, Aaron, Tyler, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, and of course, our first ever patron, Patty. Thank you to our team of co-commissions and our couple coordinator, Kevin A. Bear, for keeping the full uh, running so strong and smoothly. KKUPFL.com if you want to join the waitlist or be a part or just see how uh, all of it works. Also, shout out to our Kukupful Gazette team um, who are cranking out the content. So that's Elizowich and Adam and Hopplenuts, aka Tom. Uh, you guys are, uh, and like, they're like running it themselves. Um, so if you've ever wanted to be in a fantasy league where there is like a media source that comments on what you're doing on a regular basis kevin's also involved our, our coordinator this is it this is it and if you're in the cupful check out the cupful gazette because they're talking about you and your team really and the league it's funny they are they're great writers uh all right thank you elon and shams for keeping the amazing stream of fantasy news rolling on gamedaytweets.com you can follow ben and lewis at short shifts kk and listen to their shows this week you can follow dave at NHL Stream Scheme and listen to his show this week. Logo art by BrandonWeave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Yahoo! All right. Great job as always, Brian. Thanks again for the awesome chat. You were all amazing, uh, giving us lots of entertainment as we went. And Brian, uh, for everyone listening, obviously you're going to get two short shift shows this week, just like every week with Ben and Lewis. And then you and I will be back for another mega episode next Sunday. And what should we all do while we eagerly anticipate all of these great shows? Please keep doing what you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.